Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Jeff Kinley is back examining Bible prophecy in a country in crisis. SWRC.com is home for your summer reading list, books by the nation's top prophecy teachers, DVDs that explore everything from giants to dinosaurs. SWRC.com, over 900 items for you, your family, and your church. Free shipping on all orders over $100. Visit SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. Watchman on the Wall is here each day to bring clarity to the chaos. One of the ways we do that is through the Prophecy in the News magazine. Each issue is packed full of timely articles that inform and encourage us to keep looking up to Christ's soon return. Subscribe today to the Prophecy in the News magazine and receive a print and digital version of the magazine and a subscription to our online streaming platform, FaithNet TV. Subscribe today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine on our website, swrc.com. My friends, what happens when a country glories in its immorality, turning away from faith in God and obedience to Him? Jeff Kinley is back to answer that question and continue his look at Bible prophecy and a country in crisis. I am blessed once again to welcome Jeff Kinley to the Watchman on the Wall. Jeff is a best-selling author and speaker whose mission is to empower people with God's vintage truth, helping them discern the times and to become influencers for Jesus Christ. He is the author of 40 books and is a frequent speaker at churches and organizations around the country. His weekly Vintage Truth podcast is heard in over 80 countries worldwide. Jeff, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me. When we were talking last time, we were talking about something that you call culture quakes. Would you explain again what culture quakes are? Yeah, just like an earthquake, I mean, when you're just standing on the ground, everything is firm beneath your feet, it's solid, you've got a sense of stability, everything's okay. But when the ground starts to shake, then you start to shake, your world starts to shake, your house starts to come apart. And what we've seen really with the morality of America and her values, we've seen over the past several decades, really a shift in that, a seismic shift, and it's affecting every area of society to the point where we're casting off the things that we used to say were righteous and good. We're bringing in new things that we used to say were morally despicable and evil. And so we're doing exactly as what Isaiah 520 says, we're calling evil good and good evil. And so that's kind of shaking our culture up. Christians, I think a lot of them have been wondering, what do I do about this? Well, Jeff, I served for over 25 years as an Army chaplain. One of the reasons that I retired was because of the June 2015 United States Supreme Court decision that said same-sex couples had a civil right to legally marry. The military now considers homosexuals to be a protected class, and if you speak out against homosexuality, then you're labeled a bigot. And in the book, The End of America, you write about that Supreme Court decision. It really has opened the door for all kinds of immorality, hasn't it? No, it really has, because it's not just a minor or small decision that was made there, because 
when you start talking about the whole issue of homosexuality and lesbianism, people say, well, you know, I have my sins, I gossip, and they're homosexual. We all have our sins, they're all just the same kind of sins. But the Bible tells a different story. God never, ever destroyed a civilization or a group of cities because they were gossiping or because they were shoplifting and that type of thing. No, he destroyed them because the idea of homosexuality, it beats against the very core foundation of humanity itself because God made us male and female. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us that this is a part of who we are as our identity as created beings for God. And when you start messing with that created order, God says there are consequences to that. And to think that our country would get to the point where we would recognize and really make an entitled class of people Mm -hmm. to make marriage a union that God condemned, then I think we've crossed a line, a point of no return. In fact, some of the intertestamental rabbis wrote in commenting on Genesis chapter 6 through 9, with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, they wrote that when that there were homosexual marriages actually during that time, and that they composed songs for the marriage ceremonies, and because of that, they said that was essentially God's last straw. That when a civilization was recognizing and celebrating homosexual marriage, these Jewish rabbis said that civilization forfeited their right to exist, and according to them, that's what they believe is what eventually sent the flood judgment. And so then I look at our day today, and I say, well, you know, if we're even, if they were anywhere remotely close to being right, then we certainly are flirting with God's judgment on our country. You think about the leadership of our country and where we are. I mean, at that time, President Barack Obama celebrated that decision to legalize gay marriage by lighting the White House in the gay colors of the gay flag. He also danced in the Oval Office over this, and I thought, you talk about an abomination Mm -hmm. of morality. Uh, It's really what it was at the time. So there are consequences. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so I think we've actually taunted God, invited his judgment on our country by making some of these great decisions for the side of evil. I want to talk specifically about Bible prophecy for just a second. Now, as Christians, we need to respond to what is happening in our country, and to do that, we must discern what is happening through the lens of Scripture. However, a recent study revealed that most Americans and even most pastors don't have a biblical worldview, and one of the most frequent questions that we receive here is, where can I find a church that teaches Bible prophecy? And in your book, The End of America, you give 10 reasons why pastors today do not teach on Bible prophecy. Would you go through some of those reasons? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest reasons is that pastors don't feel qualified to teach on Bible prophecy. If you think about 80% of the churches in America have under 200 people, and I think 60% of those are about 60 people. So we're talking most of the churches in America are not these mega churches that you see on TV. They're small churches. Well, that means that a lot of these pastors are not being financially recompensed full-time for being a pastor, so they have other jobs. Well, if they have other jobs, that means that at least half of their time they're not free to study the Word of God and to be educated themselves. Some of them have never been to seminary. So all that to say is, is that they just simply feel unqualified to teach on the subject, and that's one reason why we encourage pastors to bring in people who are experts on the subject, just like you would, as a general practitioner doctor, you would refer someone to a specialist. The same is true with prophecy. I think another reason is because it just takes a lot of study. Prophecy is not impossible to understand, 
but it does take a lot of study, and that's why we call it Bible study, by the way, because it does require us really digging into the Word. Some of it is difficult to understand initially, but it can be uh, handled. So many pastors are drawn in so many different directions with elders meetings, the business portion of the church, and counseling that they're really cheating themselves on the study time. Another reason, I think, too, is because people think that prophecy is a very divisive subject. They put prophecy in the non-essential category to where it really doesn't matter what you believe about it because, you know, it's all going to pan out in the end, so why would I want to stir up controversy in my own church and risk losing members by taking a stand on different prophetic views? And, you know, my response to that would just simply be, well, you know, as a pastor, you have to take a stand on everything in the Word of God because, as Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, you have to declare the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. And if some 28% of the Bible is Bible prophecy, James, then that means a pastor has to up his game a little bit and to risk, you know, taking a stand on a certain passage or a certain view that may or may not be unpopular with his people. And I always tell pastors, you know, nowadays, because of what's going on in the world around us, I think you're going to find more people interested in the topic as opposed to, you know, being a life coach on Sunday morning or giving them a TED Talk you know, I think they're going to be really interested to know how the Bible speaks to the world that's going on around them right now. So, so there are many other reasons, but I think that, that a lot of pastors just think that if, if they preach on Bible prophecy, you know, that people will leave their church or they'll stop giving or that type of thing. But right now is not a time for pastors to shrink back. It's a time for pastors to stand and to be bold and to declare the Word of God and to dig into books like Daniel and Revelation so that their people can be equipped to handle the world they're living in. I want to talk for a minute or two about our history. I often hear people say that America is a Christian nation, and you write about that in The End of America. Isn't it true that America's pioneer settlers were predominantly Christian, and didn't the Bible and the Christian worldview help to shape our country's beginnings? No, it really did. I mean, the founders of our nation, many of them were Christians, but all of them were Christianized in some way. I mean, the foundations of our country were built upon the Judeo-Christian values of the founders, and those founders put those values into our founding documents. I mean, I go through the book, I have quote after quote, you know, how our country was founded and some of America's pioneer settlers, and you look in the Constitution, how God is mentioned there, you look in the writings of the early fathers, you found out they were theocrats. I mean, they believed in God they believed that American was a Christian country. Now, obviously, there was separation of church and state, but they recognized God is the source of common grace. He's the sustainer of the world. He's the giver of our rights. And even non-believers in those days still understood that America was founded on religious freedom. And it wasn't Islam, and it wasn't Buddhism, and it wasn't Zoroastrianism or Spiritism. It was Christianity. And the Declaration of Independence signers, they were lawmen, they were merchants, doctors, scientists, but they all had a God consciousness. And so, really, you have to rewrite history, James, to go back and to say that America was founded on something, any, something other than the Word of God. You have presidents like Abraham Lincoln calling for national days of prayer. You have George Washington honoring God. But it's just only in these recent years that we have turned our backs on things like the inscriptions that we have in places like the Capitol Building, the Library of Congress, the Supreme Court, the White House, Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial, all these things have scriptural references in them. 
So all that to say is that the mortar and the bricks of our country upon which we were founded were founded upon the Word of God and those Christian principles. But boy, have we strayed far from those original moorings. You mentioned revisionist history, and it seems like our history is being revised by modern historians and politicians. In the book, The End of America, you give an example where President Obama said that Islam was, quote, woven into the fabric of our country since its founding, close quotes. So, Jeff, which is it? Is America a Christian nation or is it a Muslim nation? (laughs) Yeah, America is a Christian nation. We didn't really have much dealings with the Muslims except for maybe some sea battles over in the early 19th century. But again, that's an example of trying to retroactively put something into history that wasn't there. And then they take the history that is there, and then they revise that to fit modern-day understanding of things. And I think that's indicative of how what people do with just the Bible itself. I mean, we want the Bible to be relevant, quote-unquote, and so we try to make it, kind of update it for a new generation. And you can't do that with static documents, with truth that is unchanging over time. You simply have to take it for what it actually means. You can change it. You know, if you want to change the Constitution, I mean, they can do those kinds of things and add amendments to it and that type of thing. But you can't go back and say it never said this or we were never founded on that. And again, it all boils down to it flows from top down, from the leadership down. So right now we have a president in the White House that is anti-Israel. He's anti-Christian. He's anti-morality. It's ebbed and flowed you know, back and forth, our morality in this country, is in terms of our leadership. But I would just say this. I think this is really important, James, because I finished writing this book right about the time of the Trump election, when Trump defeated Hillary. And this book outlines so many things that had Hillary been elected, I think people would be falling on their knees crying out to God for mercy. But because Trump was elected, he was a very sympathetic president towards Christianity. To be honest, James, I really think the church just sort of breathed a sigh of relief and said, you know what, we're going to let him handle it for a while. And the church sort of took a back seat, and guess what happened? We were asleep at the switch and the evil continued on yes. its narrative and on its agenda, but we as the church didn't feel a sense of urgency and being that watchman on the wall. And because we weren't, I think other people came in and sabotaged, and we find ourselves in a weak spot here today. This is James Collins, and my guest on The Watchman on the Wall is author Jeff Kinley. We're talking about his book, The End of America, Bible Prophecy in a Country in Crisis, and you can order a copy right now by calling one 800 or online at swrc.com. Jeff, you mentioned Israel. Let's talk for a minute or two about Israel. I believe that one of the reasons that America has been so blessed is because of our support of Israel. Isn't it true that God judges nations based on their treatment of Israel? Well, absolutely. In fact, God never said to any other nation, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And God has a direct correlative relationship between the way a nation treats the nation of Israel and how God then treats that nation. So if you just trace throughout history the countries that have been affected because they have mistreated Israel, some of it reads like a who's who about who's on the ash heap of history. Some of these nations that have mistreated the Jewish people. But America is no different. We don't get a pass just because we were founded as a Christian nation. We still have to obey God's standards, and one of those standards is how we negotiate and treat the nation Israel. Of course, Donald Trump was very sympathetic, very pro-Israel, 
moved the embassy to Jerusalem, and now we've got a president who wants to recognize the Palestinian occupation of Jerusalem and their ownership of that area as well. He is trying to undo basically everything that Donald Trump tried to do in regards to Israel. And so when we're against Israel, when we're not supporting Israel in its national pursuit of preserving itself and defending itself, then we're essentially inviting God to curse our nation. It's a black and white promise. Oh, bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And so it's very thin ice that we're walking on right now. Jeff, you write in The End of America about President Truman's recognition of Israel in 1948. That came about because of Truman's friend, Eddie Jacobson. Would you share that story with us? Harry Truman had a business associate before he was president named Eddie Jacobson, who was a Jewish person. The whole push to recognize Israel as a state, initially Truman was sort of hesitant to do that, didn't really want to take a stand on that. But his good friend, Eddie Jacobson, came to him, appealed to him on a personal level for the sake of the Jewish people, and Harry Truman decided to support Israel. And a lot of it, I think, was due to that one man for such a time as this. He was kind of like a male version of Esther there to help preserve the Jewish people. And 11 minutes after the Jewish state was recognized, America got on board with that. And Harry Truman said, we also recognize Israel as being a state on May 14, 1948. And it just goes to show people may think, well, I'm insignificant, I can't make a difference. Listen, this one man you've never heard of, and no one will ever talk about him, but Eddie Jacobson was a part in helping America get on board supporting Israel. So one person can make a difference, and one person certainly did with that. Jeff, I love this book, and you gave me a lot of new terms in this book, and one of those terms is something that you call dead cat preaching. What exactly is dead cat preaching? Preaching is the idea taken from the Puritans that when you preach a sermon that's just really unpopular, that they would bring things to throw at you, and one of them was dead cats. So you want to be the kind of pastor that the world is willing to throw a dead cat at occasionally because they just don't like what you're saying, and that's where we are today. I mean, Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul said to Timothy, he said, preach the word in season, out of season, when it's popular, when it's not popular. Why? Because the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to accumulate ear ticklers to tell them what makes them feel good. They'll gather those kind of people around them, and they won't endure sound doctrine anymore. And so we probably need more dead cats being thrown at preachers today. It probably tells us we're doing something right. We should preach the truth, let the chips fall where they may, even if they throw dead cats at us. I agree with you, Jeff. That's right. I've been visiting with Jeff Kinley about his amazing and very timely book, The End of America. Jeff, I really, really appreciate you and your ministry. Thanks again for being on the program with me. I hope you come back soon to share with us again. James, a privilege to be with you. God bless you, brother. Make sure you order the complete two-day teaching from Jeff Kinley on The End of America. Call 1-800-652-1144 and order your CD copy. The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis by Jeff Kinley is our featured resource today. This forthright survey of current events and trends offers valuable perspective on the future of America, along with a powerful motivation to embrace the only source of lasting hope. Order End of America when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. One of the defining works of the Christian life is sharing the gospel. 
Nothing is more important and few things are more frightening. Knowing what needs to be done and how to do it are very different things. Larry Stamm strips away the mystery and the fear of sharing your faith. In our brand new segment entitled Serving in His Court, Larry is here to teach believers everywhere how to share the good news. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you're joining us as we continue to discuss the material from Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. Last time, I shared a bit of my testimony, how I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've been a Jewish believer in Jesus since 1987. I'm eternally grateful for all that the Lord has done in my life. And as I mentioned last time, I am a product of marketplace evangelism. I define the marketplace as anywhere outside the walls of a church. I mentioned in our last lesson that I came to faith through people in the marketplace. There was a friend of mine in college. There was an ABC sales associate in Gainesville, Florida. He spent six weeks telling me about his Jesus and playing his Christian music and sowing gospel seed. Finally, there was a gentleman on an airplane who challenged me to ask the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob if Jesus was and is the promised Messiah of Israel. That's how I came to faith. And you have people in your individual spheres of influence that I will never meet. And the same is true for me. And the impact potential for the individual Christian today to make an impact for the gospel and for the kingdom of God is immense. As we continue today... I want to talk about some biblical foundations that I want to unpack. First of all, I mentioned last time that the foundation for this teaching series, Serving in His Court, is this. We are going to study biblical principles that are the foundation for personal evangelism. And my hope and prayer is that you will understand, internalize, and apply the principles found therein to the end that you would grow in your heart for the lost and that you would grow in your witness for the Lord, and ultimately, you would grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Our beginning point is Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where the Word of God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I mentioned in our last lesson that I was a professional tennis coach for 14 years prior to to becoming a full-time vocational minister of the gospel. I was on a church staff for a number of years. I was also a missionary to my Jewish people in New York City for a number of years. The last eight years, I've been doing full-time ministry with my wife, Lori. If you want to know more about our ministry, you can check us out at LarryStam.org. LarryStam.org, Larry Stam Ministries, we exist to make the gospel of Jesus a confident topic of conversation for every Christian. In the last eight years, we've been imploring God's people to more effectively share Jesus Christ. The motif of serving in his court is Mark 10:45. Remember, Jesus said of himself, he said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You and I also are called as believers in Jesus Christ to serve others in the court of God, which is basically the world. So you and I are also called to serve and to give in this area of personal evangelism, which we are going to unpack in this series. Let's now briefly talk about the Great Commission. 
This was Jesus' marching orders to his disciples just prior to his ascension. If you remember in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus tells us as his disciples, we are called to go and make disciples. Additionally, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said these words, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The next thing I want to introduce to us as we begin this series serving in his court is the reality that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we all are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? Well, generally speaking, an ambassador is a respected official acting as a representative of a nation. Sent to a foreign land, the ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the sovereign body that gave him authority. So you and I are sent by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Lord Jesus. We are an ambassador for Christ, and we are to reflect kingdom living. We are to exemplify kingdom living, and that kingdom living will make up a lot of different things. First and foremost, it means that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember, that was the first commandment. Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew was actually quoting the Torah. And then the second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Also, Jesus quoting the book of Leviticus. So we're called as ambassadors for Christ to live a kingdom lifestyle, which first and foremost is about loving God and loving others. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth had issues which we'll speak more about in our next lesson. But Paul called the believers at the church in Corinth in the first century, he called them ambassadors for Christ. In fact, he said of the entire church family, he said, we are ambassadors for Christ. We'll talk more about that next time. And until next time, friends, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. Jeff Kinley's new book, The End of America, Bible Prophecy in a Country in Crisis, is our featured resource today. Jeff Kinley explores historical and biblical precedents for the demise of a nation and addresses pressing questions such as how did we get to this point? Is America in Bible prophecy? Will Christians face widespread persecution here? What effect will the rapture have on America? And how should I respond to the moral decline? This forthright survey of current events and trends offers valuable perspective on the future of America. Order your copy of The End of America by Jeff Kinley when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. We just celebrated Independence Day on Monday. 
And a lot of people are asking, what will make America great again? Pastor Billy Crone will answer that question on tomorrow's Watchman on the Wall program. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.